And welcome, you're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. I'm your host, Saren Kaster, and I am in studio with two dear friends, Stefan and Dave Hoster. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. Uh, the world's not great, though. No. No, <laughs> it, it is a garbage fire, and that garbage fire is letting out crazy amounts of emissions yeah. into the atmosphere. Yeah, we actually ran out of dumpsters, and it's now just fire oh, yeah, yeah. on the ground. The, the, the dumpsters burned down, right. and so now it's just a rubble. Molten. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, so that's great. Um, <laughs> that's no, fantastic. So we gave you, uh, we gave you, uh, I think a couple of weeks, folks, uh, without too much Doug Ford, but there's now been enough tangible damage that I think that there's something worth talking about. So we are going to get to a few other topics later in the program. We have no guests today, just all news all day. We're going to be talking about the Green Energy Act specifically coming up later, as well as uh, some other issues, uh, including uh, private intelligence firms and activists and stuff. But we're going to be starting uh, with our dear friend Ford. And uh, Dave has been kind enough to prepare some uh, detailed and careful notes on that. So Dave, we're going to start with you and then we'll comment. Ontario Premier Doug Ford uh, appears to be of the opinion that whomever takes office after an election should be allowed to do whatever they want, decrying the lawsuits that are piling up against his government and stating that those filing the suits, quote, want to rule through the judiciary system and that, quote, we live in a democracy. We just had an election, June 7th. They voted us in and we're going to fulfill the mandate that was given to us. It's in the Constitution. And yet, Ford's government is getting in on a lawsuit of its own with the provincial government of Saskatchewan launched against the federal mandate of a carbon tax in lieu of any provincial carbon pricing plan. Since Ford is cancelling Ontario's existing cap-and-trade system and does not desire to replace it with anything, the two provinces are claiming that it is not within the federal government's constitutional powers to require such a tax. Regarding Ford's threat of using the little-known notwithstanding clause, Ontario Green Party leader Mike Schreiner opined that the irony of the move is appalling, stating, quote, The Premier, on the one hand, attacks the, the, attacks the judiciary and is now actually using the judiciary to overturn legislation that was democratically passed by the federal government. The National Observer points out that on the same topic, Ford stated, quote, I was elected. The judge was appointed. A democratically elected government trying to be shut down by the courts. That concerns me more than anything. While Ontario Environment Minister Rod Phillips claims that the Conservatives' provincial climate plan will be released this fall, Schreiner had his own suggestion, uh, stating, quote, Why not put a price on pollution, make the big polluters pay, and put all the money in the pockets of Ontarians? They could literally be signing carbon dividend checks from Doug Ford, Premier of Ontario. He added, quote, Here we are again in front of courts and tribunals, and I think we will be there often with the way this government is operating. The province is publicly opposed to what they call a one-size-fits-all federal carbon tax, and yet they have cancelled what was a made-in-Ontario system that was already in place, and which was not, in fact, a tax. Rod Phillips tweeted, quote, Today, I announced our next step in the fight against the federal government's plan to impose a carbon tax on the people of Ontario, and my message was clear. The federal government may have abandoned you, but we never will. Hashtag for the people. The province has already ended the regulations that created the cap-and-trade market shared with Quebec and California, who are now moving on without us, 
and has moved to repeal the legislation completely, but their efforts have stalled following a Greenpeace suit that showed the government had failed in its requirements to consult the public in matters of climate policy, <clears throat> as per Ontario's own Environmental Bill of Rights, after which they decided to hold a 30-day consultation period. The consultation period ends on October 11th. Regarding the move, Keith Stewart of Greenpeace stated, quote, you can't make life better for Ontarians without a plan to protect them from the ever-deadlier and more destructive impacts of climate change. Rather than spending millions of taxpayer money to try to, under to try to undermine the federal plan, the Ford government should tell us what they think an effective climate plan looks like without a price on pollution. The Conservatives are now claiming that a recent five-cent drop in gas prices was caused by the cancellation of cap-and-trade. A statement from Ford's office reads, quote, Fill up at the tanks. Gas prices drop by five cents today due, in large part, to Premier Doug Ford and the government for the people's cancellation of the cap-and-trade carbon tax. Mike Schreiner rebutted this claim, stating, quote, The cap-and-trade bill hasn't even passed through the legislature yet. This is a seasonal change that happens every year and is unrelated to anything the PC government has done. The real solution to lowering the cost of driving is to support the electrification of our transportation system. Fiddling with gas prices isn't going to bring real, long-term change to make people's lives better and more affordable. He claims that electric vehicles can be operated at one-fifth of the cost of gas-powered vehicles. On the question of gas prices, the National Observer notes that Nicholas Rivers, the <laughs> Canada Research Chair in Climate and Energy Policy, stated, quote, there are so many things that can go into gas prices, like changes from summer to winter, various chill points in the local energy markets, and it's just really hard to parse. The $3 billion that cap-and-trade had thus far accumulated for the government of Ontario was going towards energy-efficient renovations, public transit, and even school repairs, all programs that Ford has now cancelled. In opposition to Ford's move, Ontario's government commissioner, Diane, uh, environmental commissioner Diane Sachs said, quote, When pollution is free, we can expect to have more of it. She pointed out that a hospital in Elliott Lake is currently saving $300,000 a year in energy bills, thanks to the cap-and-trade system, which she, which she said was poorly communicated but contained good policies that worked, adding, quote, If we work together, it is not yet too late to reduce the damage that is coming. In response, Rod Phillips asserted his strange claim that, quote, nobody has done any work to see how cap-and-trade was actually working in Ontario. Rob Ferguson, writing for the Toronto Star, notes that, quote, Ontario's greenhouse gas emissions declined from 2005 to 2016, but that trend is now in jeopardy, particularly with climate change impacts uh, from extreme weather, such as the Ottawa area tornadoes and severe flooding in Toronto and elsewhere in recent years. If you'd like to have your say on the cap-and-trade cancellation, uh, listen here. By October 11th, contact the cap-and-trade help desk of the Ministry of the Environment and Climate Change at the cap-and-trade branch of the Climate Change Directorate, located at 135 St. Clair Avenue West, Toronto, M4V1P5. Their phone number is 888-217-3326. That's 888-217-3326. To find this information, simply Google Environmental Registry Cap-and-Trade Consultation and click on the Act Proposal Notice put up on September 12th. We will also post a link uh, to this on our website later today. Yeah. 
And in fact, I was going to, I was pointing at uh, Stefan just then. I was wondering if uh, you got your laptop here, if you can tweet that page out yeah. live now. Sure. If you want a quick reference, hey, if you want to sure. do it while you're sitting here listening to us, uh, Stefan's going to gonna tweet out uh, from, from your account. Maybe you, yeah. maybe just tag Green Majority on yeah. that. Uh, we'll retweet it, but that should go out there. So while, while Stefan's doing that, I know Stefan has some things to say, but I'm going to buy him a second mm-hmm. to, uh, as well to do that. So I have I have a wag of a finger, finger here quickly at, at basically everyone involved. Uh, I would like to start with the uh, media who's been really like ignorant about this whole thing. It's like I've been watching a year and a half ago in the U.S. happen to the Canadian media right now. Um, there has just been so many flat out factual, like just bold faced lies that Rob Ford has said on a number of these issues. Um, and they're never pointed out when they're mentioned. Uh, almost never. Like the the idea that there is a mandate for this, which is what he's been saying. The people have demanded this, and I was said, no, it's not. You didn't say a word about this until after you elected. You literally made this up at the last minute. Um, well, no, he ran on trying to cancel the green uh, the, the cabin trade. No, no, but uh, there's a number of these other things. Well, he, yeah. well, he certainly yeah. did not run on the, uh, specifically uh, the the council issue. The council issue for sure. Yeah, did right, not which run is at all, the, yeah. which is the one where he he wants to uh, override the courts. And then this is the the reason that's relevant for our non Toronto listeners is that. On the same time, then you're going around and saying that you don't think the federal government has the authority to do stuff, so I'm going to go around the courts. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so it's so so that's just not so. The media needs to get the program here. You can't like stop doing exactly what the American media did a year and a half ago, which was just printing stuff he says and not saying it's a lie when it's a lie. You have to include that in the same sentence. That is not true. The first date Rob Ford ever mentioned this was October blank. He ran. He was elected on September blank. Right. It is a lie. And it has to be printed that it is a fact that that's a lie. So you have to print that that's a lie. Um, It is a fact that there was no mandate for this because people didn't know about it when they voted for you. That makes that a lie, not a dishonesty, not a twisting of the truth. It's a lie. So it's not true. So it's a lie. Well, even the notion of the mandate is like, sure, you have a majority in parliament, but you don't have an actual majority of the entire voting public. Yes. 2.3 million people, which Mm. is dramatically less than the and not one of those people knew that could have an opinion on this thing he's trying to do because they didn't know about it so he's just a liar He's mm. just a flat-out liar. Of the it's a bold-faced yes. lie. Well, in terms of Captain Trade, he did run on trying on, on getting rid of it. However, he got he he ran on trying to get rid of it while saying that it would do things like reduce prices in, right. in, in, and in, calling in, it a, ca- a tax and calling so. it a tax. Yeah, like, like there's right. there's this constant. That, those are dishonesties. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, the flat-out lie is the mandate for the Toronto Council. Yes. Yeah. Totally. And then there's a sea of dishonesty in which the a couple of flat-out lies <laughs> float like well, and so often things <laughs> that I won't make a metaphor about. So often that does sort of I, I do end up wondering this. This weird question, um, which is like, how much of this is just is is it willful willful ignorance or is it lying? You know, these are the those are the two options, obviously. Um, and and when you come out and say something like, what we should do is only make the people who the, like the the high admitters get, pay a tax. Like that is exactly what this thing was designed to do. Like, right. you know, it's it's you're, you're coming out describing the thing you're getting rid of while demanding the thing, demanding the exact same thing, and acting as if well, no one has looked into this. It's right. like, what did you think happened during the entire planning process to have this happen? What right. was going on? Here? But the the reason that Toronto Council thing matters so much hmm. is that there's a flat out lie because the whole reason why we have to ram this through in an election that was already started and it's way past the point where where anyone could render an opinion on that. I have to use a hereto unforused 
clause, completely changing the status of, of the, how power works in Ontario from this point forward, causing, uh, you know, some equivalent of a minor constitutional crisis, um, uh, you know, completely overdoing all this stuff on the idea that the voters demanded that this happen immediately. That is the predication for taking never taken before steps. It's a lie. So I'm going to do things that have never been done before, you know, completely use powers that have never been exercised because they're meant for extreme situations on the predicate that I have uh, the my voters demanded, like I was elected to do this, and it's false. And so what, the reason that's so important is not just, ha-ha, I caught him in a lie. It's that the entire basis for him changing the nature of Ontario politics is a lie. Well, and that's a much more significant thing. Uh, so I, anyway, I have fingers to wag at other people, but uh, let, uh, if anyone else has anything to say about his lies, I'll stop talking about that now. Well, it, it's just, there is certainly a, a level of irony, I think, uh, to come at the idea that Trudeau does not have a mandate and yet I do. Like, like there's, there's, there's not even argument to be made there. there. There's fundamentally cannot be an argument made, whereas somehow my lawsuit is okay. Your lawsuit is not okay. There is right. active, like, well, because his voters are real Canadians. Well, like, <laughs> like that's the thing, right? The, the level of which, like, if you can't, either you have to accept that the courts are part of our system and that is how these things work, or you don't. You don't get to decide which courts are matter and which courts don't. The ones that agree and, with me are right, well, and like, the ones that don't are wrong. Yeah, exactly. And like, you know, like <clears throat> to the extent in which, what can you imagine Ford's response if? Trudeau had done had basically when when Ford had sort of moved forward with his plan to introduce city council uh, by basically usurping the, the courts. If Trudeau had done the same thing using his constitutional power to overrule a province, can you imagine how ballistic yeah. he? Would and here's have the difference: Trudeau ran on having a carbon tax. <laughs> right. That was he was elected on, in part explicitly to have a carbon tax. Yeah. Yeah. Rob Ford is making this up at whole cloth. Yeah. So anyway, so the so that's the finger wagging there. We talk about it is it's pointless. The other finger wag here is actually at the public, not necessarily our listeners, but the general public needs to uh, needs to get their heads out of their bums for a second here, um, because I've heard and it's been it's been reflected in the media, but it's largely a, a conversation that I have heard directly from people in real life, uh, anecdotally as well as reading about in the newspapers, um, which is the idea that you know when we're talking about here and again we're just as an example I'm going to use this very. Toronto specific thing, but it's it's more indicative of a larger problem uh, in politics generally, which is that uh, the idea of like, well, you know, people are like, okay, well, yeah, okay, so he made this up out of whole cloth five minutes ago, and he's totally lying about the fact that he was elected to do this. But let's just let's just think about his proposal, right? And there was all this conversation about, okay, but maybe let, should we have a smaller council? If somebody asks to take your car keys because they need a getaway car to rob a bank. And then the people in the room are like, well, hey, now a minute. Okay. Well, okay. I don't really like the bank robbing, but let's only talk about borrowing the car for a minute. If we're only talking about borrowing a car, is it really wrong to act to borrow my car? No, the point is he's doing it for a purpose. So to see the public say, okay, well, okay, I don't like his purpose, but let's talk about this. No, it's, it's, he's doing it as for a purpose to control power. And, and for the public to sort of sit there and say, okay, well, maybe he's doing that, but maybe it is a good idea. If then, then you say, okay, well, what do you do with good ideas? You run them through uh, reviews. You consult with the public. There's a way to do that. The fact that he's trying to do it uh, out of whole cloth from this like power position, like voters need to stop getting played so much. The, the way somebody does something matters because it tells you about their intentions and it tells you about them. 
And I and just it just makes me furious when I see people. Yes, let's have a conversation about having 25 councillors in Toronto. The way that every other decision has ever been made, democratically and with consultations, not be by fiat. And we should not ever accept something that is thrown on us for political purposes by fiat, even if we might be willing to consider it under other circumstances. And that's my finger wave at the public. There's, there's just, yeah, like it's, it's, it's an interesting world that we live in. Um, uh, They've also um, began to brand their government uh, in a strange way. In the tweet that I quoted, I didn't mention that uh, they're calling themselves the government for the people. They've capitalized government and people. Mm. So the government for the people. This right. is a, this is their brand now. Yeah, and, and and well, and that's so, and that's like the idea that you can take this sort of populist sort of style as if whatever I personally want counts as as rules mm. is 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 really the sort of you know like the, like I think I've mentioned the previous show, but the amount of which it feels like so much of government right now, conservative ideology right now, is whatever makes people on the left angry is what I want to do. And, and, and outside of the idea that that what is good policy, what might help people, what when it, when it's like every one of those ideas has sort of lost its, you know, lost its cachet to some extent. The idea I have so really little is interest just, in actually running anything that my purpose in life is to make the enemy, quote unquote, angry. Well, it, that, like, like it's the only explanation political for, reason. It's to the exist. only explanation for a lot of the things that are happening, right? Like, there's a, there's not. It is. It you. There's no reason to say that acting swiftly and decisively is is good policy. It's just a way to say I am doing this thing because I want to do this thing, and the people you don't like are mad. You know, like I'm sure there's a big percentage of people out there who who support a variety of these things exclusively because they never understood it in the first place, and and. Now people that they don't like are mad about it, and that's the entire that, that's the that's the entire support of this. Like, there's not actual rational arguments to get rid of a cap and trade program, uh, as 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 you know, as Dave sort of notes, sort of showed the amount of of which the number of ways you could do this that that would be that would be a conservative solution are huge. You know, the, the conservatives just ran a entire study on what a carbon tax would have, what, what how a carbon tax a Canadian wide carbon tax would have an impact on heap on people. And it showed that more mem- people would get more money in their pockets. Like a revenue neutral carbon tax puts more money in more pockets. And a conservative, like a conservative group, ran a study to, f- to show this uh, and accidentally got the wrong note, basically. And and it still published it because they had to. And so, like, there's not. It's 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 the only reason is if you're trying to if you're trying to make people unhappy that you don't like and and that is such a difficult thing to respond to because it's like what am I supposed to do make you like me and then maybe you'll do this no you're just trying to do this as a way to show that you still have power and it's it's you're you're trying to we're on again to use the the highway on the car uh, the car on the highway thing it's like you're sitting in the passenger seat on a car speeding down the highway and because you don't like the driver you're trying to grab the steering wheel and crash it into the guardrail <laughs> yeah it's like you're in the car too. Um, but there, we are running it. We are, right. uh, so, uh, due to construction noises in our tech booth, I will be reading our music today. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and I only say that because, uh, I do not want to take credit for, for Megan's musical picks today. Uh, um, uh, Shakura, uh, Sadia, uh, Saidia, something <laughs> uh, pretty close. Megan's nodding at me. Uh, the devil only knows my first name and we'll be right back after this music break. The devil only knows my first name. Well, I- 
And we are back. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners all across the universe, but particularly in Canada. Alpha we're Centauri. Uh, particularly Alpha Centauri. Uh, in fact, say hi to Xiphoid Beeblebrox for me. Mm. There you go. Boom. There's a reference. <laughs> uh, back to the news and things that matter with Stephanie Date. Yeah. Thanks so much. And I believe we're also joined by Lauren. Lauren, are you there? Sure am. Amazing. Uh, we have... Quickly, uh, Lauren, before we move on, did you get my reference? <laughs> Oh, went right over my head. Xiphoid Beeblebrox <laughs> is from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, <laughs> no, you're, okay. You're, you're now 0.1% nerdier. <laughs> Carry on. Back to the show. <laughs> All right, so we're going to move into the Green Energy Act, and then we can uh, discuss uh, uh, more. some more Doug Ford. Beautiful man. I, 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 to discuss. This is one of these days where I just kind of want to scream into the microphone for an hour. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, so uh, two weeks ago, Stefan... Premier Doug Ford threatened to, as we mentioned, veto a court decision through a provincially unprecedented use of the notwithstanding clause in order to claim the in order to claim the authority to suddenly slash Toronto City Council in half, despite having mentioned despite not having mentioned such a measure at all during the campaign. But the Court of Appeal for Ontario has since sided with Ford, giving the Premier his wish without him needing to resort to that draconian option. Now, Doug Ford's progressive conservatives are just as suddenly very concerned about municipal rights as they are moving to destroy our province's now long-standing Green Energy Act, which has opened up a wide array of economic and employment opportunities in Ontario's burgeoning green energy sector. The conservatives are arguing that such measures to stimulate investment in clean energy trample on the rights of municipalities to decide for themselves what kind of energy to invest in. Steph Weschler's reportage for the National Observer points out, however, that Doug Ford has already expeditiously plunged his hands into certain projects without any clear consultation from local residents, highlighting his cancellation of Milford's White Pines Wind Farm, which was almost completed and worth $100 million, and his propping up of a hydro project in Muskoka that still faces opposition from residents who argue that its cancellation could save the government money. The bill that cancelled the White Pines project denies its German developers' right to sue, allowing for the government to negotiate a settlement. But, as Stephen Marr points out for McLean's, failed negotiations could lead the German company to seek quite a bit of compensation from Ontario through the World Trade Organization. He writes, quote, Ontarians will once again end up digging deep to pay for an energy project that won't get built. Adding, Whatever Ford's youthful experience as an entrepreneur might have taught him, it is not clear that it led to business acumen or a proper respect for contract law. Indeed, Ford has so far cancelled 758 green energy contracts, doing so in his first week of office, and already has 11 lawsuits on his hands. Such is Ford's glorious ushering in of a new business-friendly Ontario. The Green Energy Act was first put into place by the decidedly rat-faced Dalton McGuinty in 2009 and has since greatly expanded renewable energy development in Ontario. And yet, the new government has called such efforts, quote, wasteful energy projects where the need for electricity has not been demonstrated. In a stunning turn of wordplay, Doug Ford's energy minister, Greg Rickford, echoed U.S. Senator Bernie Sanders' favorite rhetoric for the Trump tax cuts, stating, quote, The Green Energy Act represents the largest transfer of money from the poor and middle class to the rich in Ontario's history. Ford's infrastructure minister, Monty McNaughton, said, quote, Well-connected energy insiders made fortunes putting up wind farms and solar panels that gouge hydro consumers in order to generate electricity that Ontario doesn't need. 
arguing that the Green Energy Act violated the rights of families, businesses, and municipalities. Former Liberal Energy Minister Glenn Thibault countered with exactly the same claim aimed in the opposite direction, telling the National Observer that the repeal represents, quote, short-term gains in order to please a few insiders, and only a very few uh, specific industries would benefit from this. And, uh, Federal Environment Minister Catherine McKenna argued that Doug Ford is, quote, taking action to move away from the biggest economic opportunity of the century, pointing out that business leaders around the world are currently devising strategies for getting their hands on the large sums of wealth ready to be generated through investment in the green energy sector. One Greenpeace analyst said Ford is, quote, dismantling the tools needed to fight climate change, and another one stated, uh, quote, cancelling the Green Energy Act at this point will have no impact on Ontario's electricity supply mix, nor will it have an impact on energy bills. Ontario is Canada's renewable energy leader and also the nation's clean technology leader. This is not a coincidence. The Green Energy Act brought billions of clean tech dollars to Ontario and created thousands of jobs. Ontario Green Party leader Mike Schreiner argues that Ford's move is in any case a waste of taxpayer money, pointing out that, quote, Independent analyses published by the World Economic Forum show that the average cost of wind in North America is $45 uh, per megawatt hour, compared to $60 for natural gas and $148 for nuclear. Ontario's Environment Commissioner Diane Sachs argues that Ontario's population is project projected to grow by 5 million over 25 years, so the extra energy generated by investment in green energy now will offset the need for more fossil fuels down the line. Yeah, so, so there's a lot to unpack there. Um, and the first really is just that the Green Energy Act is this fascinating, massive bill that had, had there are so many storylines within the Green Energy Act that you could that you could pull from that sort of in that this I think I think his cancellation of this is actually going to sort of fly a little bit under the radar because of all the other things he's doing and because he already started canceling you know big you know the, canceling the hundred million dollar wind project was sort of you don't do that and then not cancel this act. Like there, there's no, there, that's not like that was sort of the bellwether for 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 doing this I think, um, and and so there's a there's like so many little pieces of it but like to me it's it still comes down to it it did it did do a lot of of good actually creating a industry here. Uh, now it didn't do as much, ironically, because of the World, World Trade Organization. Like the World Trade Organization is is in part what actually hampered the the Green Energy Act uh, mm -hmm. in its it, when it was started. But it also now is going to probably come in and and the. the the Ontario government will probably be forced to use something like the the, the draconian uh, anti the, the draconian um, notwithstanding notwithstanding clause to avoid uh, paying uh, this this bill uh, mm -hmm. for the for the hundred million dollar wind inject. There's not a really a way of avoiding that. Um, either that, or they might. I'm not totally certain whether or not the World Trade Organization actually even usurps that, in which they might just automatically get the money. Hmm. Uh, there might not actually be any way around them not paying out for this thing. Uh, but it's just sort of like it's just like another. It's just another proof that they actively don't actually have a plan. You know, like they canceled Drive Clean today. Uh, in case anyone is, is, has not read that yet, uh, they canceled the Drive Clean Act, which was you know which was meant to reduce emissions by cars. Um, and they're canceling every single green thing while while still saying, "Oh, we have a plan to do something." Then 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 show it. I'm I'm sick of waiting. I'm done. I don't know. Um, I'm gonna go uh, the. As I'm currently lost for words, Lauren, uh, do you have any thoughts? <laughs> um, 
Yeah, you can't be blamed for being at a loss for words. Uh, we live in super bleak times. Um, I guess I just, I'm just so sick of hearing this, like, I don't know, like, quixotic profession of support for the little guy from these conservative politicians. Because, like, where where is this support for communities and 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 out of and and community-run commerce when it comes to the extractive industry or even like a Walmart trying to muscle its way into small towns in in southwestern Ontario. It's agitating. And and it we know it's disingenuine, but it's it's just surprising that that they continue to win people over with this argument that they care about them and that they're doing this because they they care about these communities and their well-being. Because, because really, if they if they truly cared about keeping energy prices low and making sure that communities had buy-in with their energy sources, they'd be throwing their support behind community-owned renewables and cooperatives. And like that's obviously not going to happen because that's like that's that's socialism, and <laughs> that's, that's not what they're there for. And it's also um, that is what the Green Energy Act did. Like the Green Energy Act was intentionally designed to try to provide you know better rates for community-owned projects and indigenous-owned projects. Now I'm yeah. sure there, there are hundreds of reasons why uh, of ways that. It act failed on that front, but it, that was the that was part of the intention was to help municipalities and I- I communities gain mm-hmm. more control over their power. No, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's like obviously it was frustrating. Obviously, we were going to hate what they were doing, and it's it's sort of at this point it's almost redundant to point out the idiocy because like we all know it's dumb, <laughs> and it's just sort of frustrating to have to continue to sit here and watch it happen. Um. And honestly, at this point, I've I've lost faith in the federal government to to right. step in and save the day because they're so scared about losing the federal election now that they're being persuaded to to become more centrist themselves because they're convinced that's how they're going to win. Yeah, even which, though that's which has clearly worked too. so well in the past, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I don't like it's it's become disheartening, and I'm sick of just having to say. I'm I'm upset and I'm angry and I don't understand what they're doing. Yeah, and it, it, like I, I'm struck by I really am at some point struck by the um, by the the need or by by the, by, by the question of what comes next um, and, mm-hmm. and the question of sort of the at some point as as these as these completely just totally unreasonable decisions one by one by one come through. And 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 what? How do we, as 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 the public, push back against against these things? Um, and, you know, and and given that they've clearly shown they have absolutely no interest in actually doing any consultation, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, no, they, oh, sorry, no. No, yeah, it's like the idea, like the idea that there's thirty, you know, the idea that thirty, we're we're gonna cancel cabin trade. Wait, you didn't consult? Okay, thirty day consultation about cabin trade, and then we'll cancel it. That's mm-hmm. that's not consultation. No, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, comments or comments on Bill Four are still open until October 11th. Yes, of course, it's worth people filing comments, but like, we know this government isn't going to listen to the general public when it comes to this issue. So, I like, I honestly think one of the only things we can do right now, and I'm not saying people shouldn't lobby, and I'm not saying people shouldn't still obviously be super involved with the political system. Mm-hmm. That's important, but I, I think we also need to, I don't know, broaden our tactics and sort of if government isn't going to save us we we always knew wealthy dudes in suits weren't going to save us we (laughs) we we really have to double down on the idea that we have to save ourselves and we have to build the society that we need going forward and if that means i don't know i know fossil divestment sort of gone off the table for a lot of folks but if that means we need to double back down on that and really confront these industries and these big oil companies and these polluters ourselves, then, then I think that's what we have to do. We have to take away their social license ourselves and, and like work to shift the paradigm. Um, 
because the government isn't going to do it for us. And that's becoming increasingly clear in Canada. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's an excellent point that the that when you when you see specific avenues sort of close up, you know, there when when the when being able when you when you lose faith that the federal government's going to do anything, when you get a government like Ford's in here, where do you go? And I think you're right. I think you go back to okay, what other mechanisms can we start pushing? And and it, I think making it very very unpleasant to be an oil executive is probably you know is not a bad next step. Um, and and yeah. moving having forward, Suncor on your resume should be a thing you're embarrassed about <laughs> and mm-hmm. that you're afraid will will harm your future job prospects when when Suncor goes out of business that is the environment that needs to be created yeah like like mm-hmm. i i've i've recently become quite interested by the concept of you know when you talk because the central idea of fossil investment in part is that eventually the the, the carbon bubble will burst and mm-hmm. and i have become very interested in 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 two sets what a we as environmentalists can do to prep ourselves for because really, when that when that when that bu- bubble bursts, there will need to be some sort of inve- reinvestment into in, in you know you'll see another stimulus of some nature, and I think that stimulus it will all will largely determine whether or not we're just rebuilding the same thing like we did with with largely with the banks in two thousand eight, or if we're actually going to go do something else. Um, and so I think I've become quite interested in in thinking how a how do you speed up the bu- bursting of that bubble, and b how do you get ready for that bubble to burst and and move forward? And it's something that I sort of exp- plan on being sort of inve- looking into over the next couple of months because it's sort of because I, I I honestly don't know where else to look uh, as as depressing as that sounds. Just uh, before we go to break, I w- I want to just split that hair that you uh, brought up. Uh, uh, Lauren, about the the get, being involved with politics, I, I how I would split that hair. I'm not I'm not saying this is what you were saying, but how I feel about that that particular hair you were trying to split was the about between you know I feel lost faith in the federal go- government, but at the same point, sort of you know disengaging from federal politics is not the takeaway there. Um, I think like if the if if the liberals get the message that hey like some folks are unhappy about this pipeline stuff or what, or whatever or the or the cap and trade stuff they already know that and that is already factored into their political calculus i think their political calculus is wrong but uh-huh. that that's what you're talking about right they're like you know, we already know some people are unhappy about this, that, you know, you can take whatever cynical, you know, take your, go to the cynical Rolodex to find your reason why, but, but that's not going to move them. I believe that what will move them is if the response was so catastrophic, they're like, whoa, if we don't do position X, we're going to be destroyed in the next election. That is, that is something that gets their attention, but that means, so that, that is something that is out of our hands as environmentalists, because all of us that have been complaining about this the whole time aren't enough people to scare them to more than, you know, the fear of losing centrist voters is, then they will not change their position. You have to, the response has to be so catastrophic that it actually changes their math and said, oh, people outside of the people who are already angry at us are angry at us about this. That would have an effect. No, um, I wouldn't and that's say why we our... have to, that's why we can't disengage. Uh, but us not, us engaging is not enough. We have to engage and then hope other people do too. And that could work. That's how I solve that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, you said, you said it's out of our hands as environmentalists. It, it definitely isn't. It's, it's, it's on our hands even more so because I think we need to, we need to find new ways of making the movement more accessible to people and framing it, as, as people have been saying for, for decades now. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not just an environmental movement. It's a social, it's a, it's a social justice movement. But, but no, you're entirely right. Um, as much as we do need to, like, 
utilize different tactics ourselves institutionally and, and personally and as a community, we, we do we need to make climate change an election issue for this for this one that's coming up because the liberals are shaking in their boots. They're thinking of calling the election in the spring instead of waiting till the fall because they think that'll give them an advantage over the NDP at least. Like yeah, climate change has to be an election issue this year because we we have to show them that that the only way they're going to leverage the support they need isn't by staying centrist. It's it, it's going to be by pushing to the left. We need them to end subsidies and figure something out with Kinder Morgan, and we need that stronger price on carbon that they've been backing down on. Yeah, yeah. And can we just? And, and I'm, I'm not going to say that nobody else on the show can say it, but uh, can I just personally take a second to express my dissatisfaction with the term centrist? <laughs> uh, all that means is I have all the corporate positions of the right wingers, but I have all the social positions of the left wingers because it makes the right wing corporate decisions seem corporate uh, 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 prostration. I'm blanking on the correct way to say that word right now, uh, but. But essentially, the throwing themselves at the feet of corporations more socially acceptable because, hey, I also support gay marriage and think we should legalize pot. So it's not like centrist isn't a real political position. It's a calculation of I believe in all those hideous right wing uh, sort of financial things, and I'm totally down for for corporations running the planet, but I don't hate gay people, uh, and I just think that's a stupid and useless label. So I'm not saying that to you, Lauren, but just like to the world, can we just stop saying that? Because that's a, it's a dumb word. <laughs> that I know it's pretty accurate, though. It literally means like playing the middle. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like the purpose of the, of the like it's it's. But it's, the, the reason I think it's useless is because I think it's a calculation. I think they're right wingers well, who simply know enough that they shouldn't say they hate gay people. That's well, I'm saying it's disingenuous. Like, <laughs> like, but it's like it's it's. Like the purpose of the purpose of the term is to is to convey the fact that you know that there are like that arguably if I was going to get an issue with the idea of centrism, it's sort of the, f- the fact that it really is defined by the strength of the left and right in any particular place, right? There's no centrism has has no meaning except for the fact that it is except for the fact of of what the location it specifically is within. You know, like Jeff Flake is a quote unquote centrist. Um, uh, Republican, uh, while just said he was going to, you know, vote for a all like for an accused uh, sexual assault. Uh, uh, Like, like it's it's just like there's no it's. like this is I had this rant a while ago, and I'll I'll stop (laughs) soon. But like the fact that there is any type of. Uh, idea of a reasonable conservative right now is I've, I've it's it's over it's over stop like you don't you don't get to be Jeff Flake and pretend you're part of the resistance and then vote for Kavanaugh and you don't get to be uh, you know any member of the of Trump's inner cir- oh, sorry of Ford's inner circle and pretend that you're in any way reasonable and not complicit with everything you're doing like if you are voting the way you're voting you're complicit in all of this and I hope it stains you for the rest of your life yeah. uh, and. Anyways, we're running out of time. I want to give Lauren, if you have any <laughs> last words, so your last words are always great. So if you have any last words, go for it. And if not, we'll uh, we'll go to music break. Um, honestly, nothing this week. We said it all. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I feel like I feel like this week has left uh, has has left many people uh, shattered in different ways. And I yeah, I just wish I wish all the love on everyone right now. I think we're, I, I, <laughs> I I I'm uh, maybe I'm just I'll just speak for myself. I feel like we're all on edge a little bit today. <laughs> uh, and I think that's all right. I think that's a rational response to reality. Um, thank you so much for your time, Lauren. We'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Bye. Right. Uh, so we're going into our second music break. Still have some jackhammers outside the window. So again, with my attempt to say this uh, woman's name, uh, Shakura Sidia. And uh, we have another song now for our second music break called Blues Dancing. We'll be right back for the final segment in just a minute. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM. 
I think that was a perfect break. Thank you very much, Megan. You're listening to The Green Majority here on CIUT 9.5 FM and or our wonderful and very appreciated community radio partners across the country and into the U.S. as well, as well as our international and interstellar podcast listeners. Hello and welcome. Uh, Dave, you're going to uh, wrap us up here with the final segment. Uh, What are we listening to? Uh, So federal opposition leader Andrew Scheer of the Progressive Conservatives appears to want to force through the highly contested Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion at all costs, now calling for the appointment of a ministerial special representative to expedite the the indigenous consultation process that was recently found by the courts to be grossly inadequate. And yet he believes that this measure would prove the government's consultations are in good faith. Scheer also wants the government to bring forward emergency legislation to make sure the marine ecosystem research does not have have to be redone, and for Trudeau to appeal to the Supreme Court. Scheer stated, quote, There are people protesting everything all the time. We don't cancel everything because of that. He also said, quote, The duty to consult is very clear. It also it means concerns have to be addressed, and addressing those concerns can take a variety of options. Adding, quote, The science is clear, and the evidence is clear. In response to the court ruling in August that halted construction in lieu of true indigenous consultation and marine impact assessment, Prime Minister Trudeau, whose government became the ideological hostage of Kinder Morgan this past summer and ended up spending billions of public funds in order to take control of the embattled project, has announced a new 22-week consultation process with First Nations stakeholders and the appointment of a special marine technical advisor to the National Energy Board along with other measures to comply with the court ruling. Scheer is calling for timelines and deadlines, which he believes would very quickly accelerate the process, and for Trudeau to support a bill that officially and unequivocally declares the pipeline expansion, quote, to be for the general advantage of Canada. Because if there's one thing that unites all Canadian politicians, it's an unmitigated love of semantics. Scheer (laughs) claims to be sticking up for the thousands of Indigenous people who want the project to go through, whom he referred to as Canadians. But the Tsleil-Waututh Nation in BC stated that any any new consultation process and review must be developed in collaboration with the nation, and that it will take more than 22 weeks. Natural Resources Minister Amarjeet Sohi repeated the Liberals' slogan that, quote, there's no relationship that's more important to our government than the relationship with indigenous peoples. Meanwhile, Washington State's Department of Ecology is saying the Canadian government does not have a proper spill response plan, which deficiency puts the state's Puget Sound at risk. The National Observer reports that Washington, quote, wants to know more about how it would respond to a spill of heavy oils that may sink to the sea floor, how it would protect endangered killer whales, salmon, and other national natural resources from a spill, and the initial steps it would take after a spill is discovered. Of the 14,000 public comments received by Washington's Department of Ecology, many questioned the ability to clean up heavy oils in the case of a spill. I am calling it, if Andrew Scheer gets elected, he will send the military in to build this thing. Mm. There's, I, at this point, I don't see any other, like, like he's clearly does not care about consultation. If the con, like, in, in, which is, you know, a given, I think at this point, um, get, and neither does Trudeau, but at least Trudeau is going to have to keep pretending. And so Trudeau, I don't think could ever get away with actually sending in the military. Uh, Scheer will. 
I think I think with Sheer, you'd probably almost see a you'd see a, a some version of a recreation of of what we saw with the DAPL pipeline, mm-hmm. um, and and that should be concerning to everyone because um, I actually think Andrew Shear, in part I think Doug Ford has given Andrew Shear some of the some of the. Um, Give him some rhetorical breathing room. Well, he's 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 certainly allowed. He certainly, I think, allowed the opportunity for for taking even more unbelievably ridiculous uh, force your force things through process uh, than 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 even Harper went to. Like the conservatives are trying to seemingly one up themselves about what they can do piece by piece. Now you can't actually use the notwithstanding clause to overrule this uh, overrule that because the notwithstanding clause does not actually um, apply. Uh, but I do think you could easily, but which is why I think you end up with with a militarized presence mm-hmm. uh, to force this thing to be built. Um, I, I now and and that should be a, like and and that alone should be disqualifying uh, as a as a leader of this of this country. However, I do want to get to the last story because it is sort of tied into a lot of these things and is, you know, another just it's I, I like I like how sometimes you get stories which are like obviously very important and and add another layer to some of the concern you should have about this world, mm. but the sort of aren't aren't so right in the note right in the your face about it and mm. so it ends up being it can can be swept to the side but it's good that you get it's good to note that these things are going on behind the scenes a little bit mm-hmm. uh, and so what do we got so the fossil fuel industry is ratcheting up its internal rhetoric regarding environmental activism and further entrenching itself in opposition to any grassroots threat to its pollution profiteering, having taken further steps in recent years to develop intelligence portfolios and ongoing monitoring of activists and environmental organizations. It is becoming more and more common for fossil fuel firms to hire private intelligence agencies to collect data on the activities of those who oppose them, which agencies in turn market their services through the lens of activists as violent extremists, irrationally doing criminal damage to the innocent and righteous fossil fuel sector. At least one company hired by the likes of Shell, Kinder Morgan, Duke Energy, Dominion, and Chevron has also held contracts with the Canadian government, which gives an idea of the level of sophistication involved in these new transnational corporate security efforts. Mother Jones reports that the global private intelligence industry may now be worth $20 billion, often relying on ties to industry and law enforcement, but also scouring open sources like Twitter and other online forums. The company Wieland, which was started by a former MI6 agent in 2007, told a conference of fossil fuel players, quote, What we're talking about here is an existential threat regarding the environmental movement. The Texas Independent Producers and Royalty Owners Association has stated that activism is, quote, one of the most disruptive and costly threats to the energy industry in lost productivity, damage, legal and reputational risk. I just wanted to jump in with the word good. Carry on. An industry trade publication wrote in 2016, the anti-fossil fuel movement is the number one challenge threatening our industry, especially when they have sympathizers in the White House, Ottawa, and elsewhere in public office. The fossil fuel industry also employs drones to track the movements of activists, and as in the case of the Standing Rock protests, will infiltrate activist groups uh, to obtain information, and in at least one case, attempt to frame protesters with government-purchased weapons. There are differences between these companies, of course, and probably only a few of them use covert or illegal methods to obtain information or to uselessly incriminate innocent people. But the trend does point to a strange and mostly hidden high-tech escalation in the struggle between environmental activists and fossil fuel companies. 
we have also seen the employment of the likes of those private security firms who remained conspicuously unaccountable last year in their violent suppression of Standing Rock activists. Such third-party security and intelligence firms can blur the repressive role of fossil of fuel companies who are buffered by militarized police and private security. One result of this lopsided and alienating process is that what becomes a decades-long disruption in the lives of many indigenous activists is merely a public relations mess for huge corporations like Energy Transfer Partners, who nonetheless try to retain a benevolent image while internally depicting marginalized protesters as irrational, spiteful, and self-interested professionals. And even as activist wins, especially indigenous activist wins in Canada, are piling up, one wonders why it is that what is supposed to be an independent economic regulatory agency, such as the National Energy Board, an arm of the Canadian government, feels the need to hire private intelligence firms to monitor activists. And just to quickly point, to, to, to draw us back to a conversation we had a, a, while, about, a while ago about the Standing Rock protests and, and some of the ways that that, you, you mentioned the fire, that, that smuggling and weapons. Uh, one of the things that happened in Standing Rock was, a, was an FBI agent mm -hmm. uh, per, basically, I guess pretended is a weird word to use here, but like started dating one of the, one of the mm -hmm. activists, mm -hmm. brought a gun on, on to, into the space obviously making it more dangerous had that gun accidentally get fired by their by their partner at the time quote unquote and then that partner is now getting multiple years in jail for firing a weapon at a protest site mm -hmm. explain to me how in any way i think those weapons charges specifically were dropped those but they did try to use those right. in order to gain a larger sentence. I was actually about to jump in and correct you because I thought you were talking about a different story <laughs> where there was a private security guard at Standing Rock, same protest. Uh, private security guard who was later, who was a, who was, uh, uh, essentially part of one of these, uh, security agencies. Uh, this was the guy who was videotaped with a rifle. Um, and they later found his private security ID in his truck. And it turned out he was employed by the oil company as a private contractor, exactly mm. what we're talking about, not a police officer to infiltrate and brought a weapon onto the thing. It was an assault rifle. It was an automatic weapon. Um, and his, his company truck was parked nearby with his company ID in it. Mm. Um, so close at the same event that I was about to jump in and tell <laughs> you, you were getting the details wrong. Right. Same <laughs> protest, same year. And and and, the, and and these charges are being used to force uh, agreements, plea deals, because mm. they don't. Because, and and this is the, this is what this is the world that we're. This is the world that we will be heading for if we don't, come come to a understanding that the other path is still an option. Like every time Doug Ford gets rid of another way that we might actually build a better world, we get closer and closer to a reality of 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 governments using their overt authority and and these private military firms overt power and physical power to threaten and and, and destroy lives of activists and and we're only getting and it's not in what we're, we're not seeing the we're not we're not getting a way to a way around that you know the conservative voices are giving us nothing there is no vision from the Andrew Shears of this world about what 2040 should look like, uh, except perhaps a petrol state run by run uh, run by a paramilitary. Well, no, there is. It's they just <laughs> they just reject that reality is different than their immediate reality, and they think it will be identical to today. 
but, but like, like they don't they don't understand that things change over time. But even that, even like at this point, they've now they've dropped the charade that they don't believe in climate change. Mm. So at this point, they're they're not they're not even arguing that. They're they're and and there's no part of this that does not there's no part of this that the that environmentalists go away. Like if anything, you're only going to get a young populace more and more and more angry at the status quo, as which only becomes more and more volatile. So what no, happens when you try and turn around and sell these people cars and entire generation thinks you're Satan. Well, there's a true and real concern here about what, you know, it's why the Pentagon understands that climate change is the biggest, you know, is the biggest threat to global security. It's because that we're only creating more and more and more and more disenfranchised young people. And today's, today's kids are tomorrow's customers. And when you've spent your 50 years saying you guys are all stupid, and then there's the only that's in the entire generation. There are no other people you can go get to be in politics like you're 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 trying to drag out your your scheme for a few minutes and making the wave that comes down on your head infinitely worse. Like it's so insanely even if you have the most cynical worldview ever and you're complete nihilist, uh, it's still stupid. Because you're just the amount of gain you get by stalling for five minutes versus the damage that's going to be done when reality catches up with you. Both the effects of climate change and the just the cultural one of having an entire generation think you're evil um, is just so insanely stupid. But we 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 live in a time where people are willfully choosing to become the become the 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 demons of the of the, of history. If if we even have a history, if we're lucky enough, that's the most depressing way to end the show. But it is now <laughs> time to end the show. All right. Uh, so it has been a, a fantastic week. Yeah, uh, I'll have jokes next week. It have a good really green week for everybody. Week. I'll think of a joke. Uh, <laughs> take care. Enjoy. Take care of yourself, your friends, and your family. And hopefully we'll still be here when you get back next week. Have a great week.